Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to another installment of Take to the Mat with JP and Pat. Uh, I'm JP. You'll hear Pat here in a little bit. This is the first installment of 2021. Um, we were too good for January, so we skipped it, and we started in February. So the first installment of 2021 starts out in February, and we have a lot to talk about, but a very, very important announcement to start things off I know a lot of our listeners are going to be upset when they hear this, both gents and uh, madams, but um, Pat is currently off the market. Um, he is off the market. Since the new year has come, he is off the market, and he is a married man. Congratulations, Pat. See, I thought we were starting the new year on a positive note, and I have to ruin it for everybody. Sorry, ladies, and, and a lot of you guys out there, too, but I'm, I'm spoken for. Um, I'm an honest man now, you know, not living in sin anymore. So I, sorry to have to start this new year on a bad note. Well, now that I see our total number of people listening is gradually going down right now, <laughs> but uh, we are a truthful, we are truthful men. We speak the truth. And the truth is, is there's only one single man on the broadcast. Now it's me, JP. Uh, Pat is now taken, but without uh, further ado, we'll start talking about what we still love is wrestling and boy have we been spoiled through the end of 2020 uh the pandemic has sure hit us hard but wrestling said not so fast and we were spoiled with a lot of events and we'll talk about some of those events that ended 22 uh 2021 um that ended 2020 and started up 2021 and one of the biggest ones that cannot go unnoticed of course and we'll start talking about jordan burroughs and david taylor uh as the pandemic was starting to stew up a little bit for round number two towards the end of 2020, uh, I dare I say, I want to say the freestyle wrestling world took a, uh, a, uh, a couple uh, couple pages of the script from the UFC and started going with the type of main event card uh, persona. They went with, uh, let's, let's find the best matches that we possibly can and just get everyone excited and just get everyone engaged and see uh, see those matches happen. And that's exactly what happened with the um, Jordan Burroughs and the David Taylor match. Um, thoughts about that match, Pat? Well, I mean, just it happening was awesome. I loved it. Uh, big up to, to Jordan Burroughs and David Taylor for, for picking up. And, and after Jordan gave him a bit of a hard time, Taylor signed the contract. And then even having to delay it, Really glad to see this could have fallen by the wayside 10 different times. They moved forward. It was a really fun match. Um, I know David Taylor won. Jordan Burroughs was typical Jordan Burroughs. Kept it close. Um, you're worried at the end. Anytime Jordan is down by three with less than a minute, he's still he's still in that match. So it was a lot of fun. Um, I still like the criteria, and we can talk about that too. Um, I like that... Taylor won with the criteria victory, and I think he he established that he was the better wrestler in that match. Um, but what do you on, on that? What did you think about it? What do you think about the criteria? Are you a fan of the criteria? Well, it's funny that you mentioned the criteria because this is one of the craziest stats I have ever heard. That Jordan Burroughs has never lost by more points how do i say this he has always scored just as many points as his opponents if he okay. wrestled someone from the u.s his losses are all off criteria so all he has never lost domestically by anything more than criteria correct in 2014 wow. it was marable he lost 4-4 2017 he lost to kyle dake 6-6 2019, he lost to IMR 5-5, and then to start 2021, he lost to Taylor 4-4. That is ridiculous. So that is something that I – that is insane. That is – of all his international matches, over 100, over 100 matches, he's got to have like over 120. Mm -hmm. Four of those losses came by criteria – and they were all from the United States. He has never scored less points than his counterparts in the U.S. That's wild. And his the way he has changed as a wrestler, just being a hammer, a double-leg machine, 
and just becoming technically superior. His positioning, if position is so important, even more than, dare I say, technique, having that proper positioning. Um, and Jordan Burroughs does it to a T. He is textbook, proper positioning, has good head and arm defense, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But his the way he positions his shot and everything is just next level. And that's something that he has grown into over time and changed from, you know, he could muscle a couple guys through. He could muscle through those double leg takedowns and has changed and is just a blueprint for anyone that wants to have a prolonged career in freestyle wrestling. I think he has to be down going into the last period to the last three minutes. He has to be down. I mean, at least in that last minute, he always has that rush of adrenaline of how I don't care how old he is. He's still going to be coming with those blast doubles, 110 miles per hour when it comes late. And that's where he gets everybody off their seats and say, here he goes again. And most importantly, he frustrates his opponents that way. And the reason why I say he should be down late because Sitikov has has actually been down late and he comes out and gets the big pushouts and has beaten Burroughs that way. So when Burroughs has a lead, and he's I believe he's actually lost to Chimizo in that 28-point affair they had a couple years ago, and one of the only times Chimizo has actually beaten Jordan Burroughs is um, he was Burroughs was up late. And next thing you know, a Chimiso comes at him and then gets the W. And that's the same thing with Sitikov. I mean, he gets the pushouts, he gets those takedowns late, and the next thing you know, Burroughs just doesn't have enough time. So I think it's really comfortable for Jordan Burroughs to, to be that underdog in a way of you thinking, okay, the guy's getting old, the guy's losing a couple steps. But when you've got the money on on the line and he's the ambassador as he is for the usa wrestling team when he's down late just be careful i don't care how old he is and it just really gets a lot of people on their seats and it's great for the sport that he still has uh gas left in his tank yeah and and taylor was kind of not quite putting it to him but he felt in command of that match and then when Burroughs tweaked his knee a little bit. I think it was his knee. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if he'd ever even tell us. But it looked like that kind of flipped a switch in Jordan. And he just went after him. And I would love to... I could sit down and listen to Jordan Burroughs talk about mental toughness and mental preparedness till the cows come home. And I really hope he does a lot of that stuff after he retires. Hopefully he never retires and wrestles um, till he's like 85 years old. But if he does retire... Hopefully he will wait until after coming home with an Olympic gold medal and wrestle David Taylor in a superstar match for the say. I mean, I think everybody in the wrestling community is ready to watch that match happen again. And hopefully both David Taylor and Jordan Burroughs have gold medals um, and they have fill up a card with our Olympic greats and, and some of the, the other freestyle greats and put a great card together and we get to watch these guys go at it again. Well, I'll be interesting to see what wrestling club he's going to be wrestling for when he goes against David Taylor next, because he will be transitioning to the Penn RTC. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe after this circuit is done, he's going to Penn RTC, and I'm not going to be surprised if he just um, the, he just assumes the role of wrestler slash coach because uh, there's uh, some good there's 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 some good wrestlers at Penn R RTC. One of them named Mark Hall, and he needs to get back on the saddle because uh, losing to Nate Jackson in the uh, Penn R RTC showdown uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was last week, he's got to figure out if he's got a place in 74 kilos at all because he has not been wrestling much at all. And hopefully we see uh, David Taylor continue to do what he has been doing as well because uh, as we uh, kind of switch a little bit of gears here on Take It to the Mat with JP and Pat, uh, we don't see much Nittany Lion Wrestling Club wrestlers take advantage of these tournaments unless it's an NLWC event. I mean, now that uh, Mark Hall is not part of the NLWC anymore, you're starting to see him just a little bit more. But if it's not Zane, and if it's not Kyle Snyder, and if it's not David Taylor, um, you haven't really seen Gilman that much, but... Even though that's only about three or four guys for the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club that have wrestled, a lot of the dudes that have actually just been there 
um, the, like the household names in the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club world have not been wrestling internationally. They haven't been doing much. I mean, so that's that's the biggest thing. Oh, only the transplants and David Taylor and and Zane. You've had Gilman Snyder, the transplants, and then um, David Taylor and Zane. Other than that, you've got a lot of star power, and you don't see them wrestle at all. And I wonder if that's being done strategically because you're kind of seeing the Hawkeye Wrestling Club do the same thing. I mean, Spencer Lee has been gone from freestyle wrestling outside of uh, U.S. Nationals last year. And that was just, I'm sure if he would already be qualified for Olympic trials, he wouldn't have even competed in that. So I wonder if that's kind of the new strategy is we know we've got the guns and we're not going to give you looks on them. Uh, I don't think that's the way for success. And maybe there's more to it. And maybe it's COVID has something to do with it. But there, it feels like there's some sort of strategy here by both RTCs. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I think there is a clear wall between fans of wrestling and the wrestling RTCs themselves. And that wall is what is most important. Us as fans want to see these matches. You, you, you said it, Pat, right on the top of the nose where David Taylor and J Jordan Burroughs, it was just fun to see the match. It was fun to see it. I mean, we are all cooped up in, in, in our houses during this lockdown period of COVID. And we're wondering, are we ever going to see any good matches again? And I'm glad we got to see it. And because of it getting postponed because of COVID, we're like, uh-uh. No, Flo's like, we're still going to put this on. It got postponed, but no, everyone wants to see this match. And we're going to try to get this to go. But as far as any other like HWC and NLWC just doing their own thing, a little here, a little there, uh, fans want to see more of that. But is the main objective of the HWC and the NLWC is Olympic world medals, Olympic and world medals. I think that's what it is because you didn't see them in the RTC Cup and they most definitely could have done a great. They would have easily been one and two. I'm going to go ahead on the record and say say that. You put them on the opposite sides of the bracket. You would have had an eight-team bracket. It would have been stellar. And HWC and NLWC would have been in the finals. But they weren't there. Are they saving themselves, like like you said? Or they just want to um, just concentrate on Olympics and, and the Worlds? Yeah, I, I, they have to be. Laser beam focus, especially for Spencer Lee. Like, I think they're all kind of hanging their hat on that. And I think in Iowa, it's the Spencer Lee show. Where their goal is to get him to the Olympics and then have him win the Olympics. And that's what they're all kind of looking towards. Now, if some of those other guys can make it, make the Olympic team, that's great. That's gravy on top of it. But I think they're all focused on that. And... I don't blame them, but I don't think that is, I don't think, I know for a fact that is not the attitude you should have for long-time wrestling success. Now, is it fair to tell Tom, Terry, all the guys in the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and everything, the weight and success of wrestling as a sport is on your shoulders? No, and it's not up to them, and, and it's out of their hands. We as a wrestling community need to do things to make sure that success doesn't begin and end with Olympic titles. There is more to to wrestling and there is more to it. I mean, again, Olympic gold is the most important thing, but you can't have that event once every four years when the IOC just really doesn't care about you. Yeah, you really have to look at a different for, uh, format. I'm with you on that. Um, the Olympic gold has always been dreams for everybody. Uh, it's, it's probably got to be the most difficult sport when you look at a professional career. And especially what you have to do to transition into that Olympic gold medal. We've got a lot of decorated NCAA athletes, but the next thing you know, now they have to switch styles. Now they have to switch styles, and that's why uh, freestyle has gotten to be so much more prevalent during the regular season of the NCAAs, which I like a lot, which I think is good. I would not be against at all freestyle actually being the adopted style in the NCAAs. NCAAs, I think you'd have to look at how are you going to score a duel. Duels would definitely be different because you're definitely going to have to change up the classification points to make a duel that much more interesting if you're uh, transitioning freestyle to NCAA, but obviously that's a whole different 
conversation. But when you're looking at the Olympic gold medal as the epitome, as the peak of what you want to do as a wrestler, and you want to excel as an NCAA athlete as well, there's some guys that just don't pan out as freestyle um, phenoms. I mean, NCAA is what they do, and then when freestyle comes around, it's just not the greatest, or vice versa. Freestyle is where I go, and then when you look at the NCAA, it's like, oh, congratulations, you're an All-American seventh or eighth place. Yeah, I mean, what's Anthony Valencia was that, right? He's a he's a junior world champion and then hasn't really cut the mustard as far as folk style goes. But in, in terms of that, I think it's laziness. Um, and, and dare I say cowardice by NCAA and even high school wrestling where, where if you give it 5, 10, whatever year to transition into freestyle wrestling, I think you can do it. I think it's more entertaining. Now, I'm a folk style purist. I love folk style. I like the control. I like the, the manipulation and, and everything attached to that. But as a casual fan, it is hard to get any casual fan to to walk in and enjoy wrestling. Now you can say, well, you don't need casual fans. Well, if you want these wrestlers to get paid, you have to have casual fans. You have to make it a good, fun product because we do want these wrestlers to wrestle for 30 years. We do want them to have a prolonged career and we do want them to make money because you know what? If more athletes can make money doing it, you're gonna get more athletes from the outside to come into our sport because it is a viable career and even Having athletes making money, you have championships, so do clubs, so do camps, so does wrestling apparel gets bigger. It just helps the entire sport out. But again, I think it's laziness by the NCAA and high school wrestling to not bring in some of these freestyle moves, even just back exposure, a push out. These little things will help these kids transition and then internationally too. And, and, you know, and ultimately bring home some Olympic gold medals. You're listening to take it to the mat with JP and Pat. He's Pat. I'm JP talking international freestyle wrestling here as on our first installment of 2021, the future of Olympic style wrestling, freestyle Greco Roman, uh, who knows what it's going to be? I mean, this could be a topic that will definitely have parts upon parts of it as we continue to talk about it. And as we continue to get closer to uh, the 2020 Olympics in 2021, uh, we'll uh, definitely be talking more about what is there to come in freestyle wrestling now that we have had so many RTC events in this COVID era. Um, hopefully we get more qualifiers in the Olympics. That's one thing the Olympics have done, really cut down the qual uh, cut down the qualifiers. Haven't seen a lot of our um, top guys for the Olympic team that are probably be your best bet on your Olympic team. Haven't seen a lot of them wrestle freestyle yet. And one of them of notable is, of course, Spencer Lee. Talking about the dynamics between NCAA and freestyle, Pat. I want to say Tom and Terry got a plan for Spencer. That's why you really don't see him wrestle freestyle much. And that's why he is not in the top 20 in the international rankings, and he shouldn't be. He should not be in the top 20 because he's not been wrestling freestyle. Is he a really good freestyle wrestler? Absolutely he is, but he has not been on the freestyle scene for quite some time. So he's been focusing on folk style and just been completely obliterating everybody. And that's why they should pretty much just give him the Dan Hodge, just let him hold it, put it off to the side of the mat, go pin someone and go back and grab his trophy and get off the mat. Because I really, other than Gable Stevenson and Gable, I mean, he hasn't pinned everybody that he's faced this year yet. Every single match of Spencer Lee has been bonus points. And Gable Stevenson has had some close matches and sometimes he just, downright looks bored out there but he uh as much as been a dominant wrestler spencer lee is concentrating on ncaa right now and that's why he does not need to be in the freestyle rankings oh you're i agree with you that he does not need to be in the freestyle rankings but he absolutely deserves to how many of these people um on the freestyle ra rankings at 97 kilograms has he beat and beat by, well, I beat this guy, and he is the national representative for this country. Um, he deserves to be ranked, and 
he's not the only one. These rankings are terrible at 57. The only American in the free or the flow wrestling rankings is Joe Colon at 18. And to not have Soriano, to not have Gilman is just ridiculous. And even Vito belongs in the top 25. I don't know who's doing these. I don't know if it's just sheer laziness. But Spencer Lee absolutely deserves to be in there. And then it makes me think, who else are these ranking miss missing internationally? Because what the rankings are, there's no awards for being ranked in the top 25. There's no awards for being ranked number one. It's all rankings. And what this is, just a measuring stick as to where your competition is at. And so it's, I don't know, I find it silly that he is not ranked even anywhere in the top 25. Um, but in terms of Hodge Trophy, Yes, Spencer Lee is on another level. The man is a mutant. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Um, he is a generational caliber wrestler. He's a generational caliber person, too. Um, does all the right things, says all the right things that I know of, and, and just hearing grumblings inside the Iowa wrestling team. Um, just a, a scholar athlete, a scholar student, um, and, and a great person all around. But I do think there is an avenue for Gable Stevenson to win the Hodge Trophy, um, he definitely has harder wrestlers. He's wrestled better people so far. I mean, Spencer hasn't wrestled. Did he wrestle the number six guy, seven guy, um, and pinned him? But the, it, the same goes for heavyweight, where there's an absolute plateau. Um, and oh my gosh! And, and Stevenson dominates everybody. And Cassiope's no slouch. He's probably going to be a national champion in two years. Um, and, and, and Stevenson stuck it to him. Now, I think Mason Paris is going to be a problem. Um, they match up stylistically well, especially for, for Gable Stevenson. But I think Mason Paris is taking huge leaps in terms of quality um, and focusing on wrestling. I mean, Stevenson ducked him at the, uh, the, the Regional Training Center Cup, so that lets you know that he's in his head. So I think Spencer has it. But there is that is what you call fake news. Fake news that is not dodging. When you are the best heavyweight in the world, you do not dodge. Oh, you absolutely do. You you don't dodge. You choose. That's what you do. Gable Stevenson did not dodge. He knew what he who he wanted to beat that week, and he went out and did it. Mason Paris will get his shot. He will. He will. But I think you. He did not dodge. I think he used the wrong word. I think he knew who he could beat, and that's why. He decided to ride the pine um, while his teammate was out there getting his butt whooped by Mason Paris. So No, it was a nod to Tony Nelson of how great he is <laughs> that we're going to give you a shot. If you want to have, be in the same sentence of any of these top heavyweights in the U.S., uh, you got to beat Mason Paris. And Tony Nelson, I think probably in the top 10, obviously in the top 10, but um, you, Mason Paris is one of those guys like, hey, come on, Gable, let's see it. And you will. And 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 you'll get beat. But the thing is, is Stevenson, yeah, he was he he went out there in the RTC Cup. He wanted to beat Gwiz, and he did. He's number one. And um, going back to folk style here, I really think that it is Gable Stevenson number one, Mason Paris number two, and they really should just put Cassiope at number five, and mm-hmm. nobody at three and four. Because Cassiope is the best heavyweight if there wasn't a guy named Mason Paris or Gable Stevenson. Because well, he, he, you saw this past weekend what he did to Luffman. Mm-hmm. And Luffman has been an up-and-coming heavyweight for Illinois. And the next thing you know, he goes out and pins him. So it's like, well, Cassiope's in his own league. But it's just not above Gable and Paris. Yeah. Oh, I agree. There, there is. Yes, there's. And the guy for Wisconsin is very good as well. But it goes, I think there's definitely two major tiers it goes gable and paris and then cassiope and then i forgot the wisconsin guy and then dot 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 everybody else um so the, the wisconsin heavyweight is trent hilger yes and hilger i honestly think it's a little too nice to put him in the same sentence around cassiope because uh hilger i think i think hilger lasted what 16 seconds Against Stevenson, uh, beat beat the streets. Then again, that is free freestyle. Free yeah. It's freestyle. So we're putting the two different. But yeah, Trent Hilger, I mean, he is a good, solid heavyweight for Wisconsin as well. Yeah. So then again, another weight dominated by the by the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. When you look at um, 
Other guys that you may want to look at, Jordan Wood is always a pretty decent heavyweight, but then again, you've just got so many guys. Um, speaking about heavyweights, you got Orndorff at um, Ohio State, the transfer from Utah Valley. Because of Orndorff at heavyweight, Chase Singletary actually goes down to 97. So that's a, a guy that's recruited as a heavyweight goes down to 97. He's going to be a thick 97-pounder. Tom Ryan's got himself a huge 97-pounder in Chase Singletary. So it'll be interesting to see how he, how he goes at that weight. And then at heavyweight, you can't go without talking about the um, the guy that's been a member of every team in the NCAA without wrestling a match, uh, Greg Kirkley. So Kirk Kirkvliet, I think it's how you pronounce his last name, has yet to wrestle an NCAA match. I think, did he wrestle heavyweight this past weekend? For Penn State, I'm not sure. If I'm he's not been. sure. I didn't know if that meet was televised. Yeah, I mean it's it's out here in Iowa. We just really don't pay attention to Penn State that much. <laughs> but uh, they've they they had a they they had a uh, a late start. That's the thing. They they had a late start. So um, Penn State had some COVID pr- protocols, and they uh, just had a couple duels. So uh, more more power to them. Hopefully that Kale can get the train going again. Uh, but speaking of trains, the Panther train in Cedar Falls, Iowa, Doug Schwab and his Panthers have got yet again, I'm going to go out and say it, yet again have another one-two punch at 174 and 184 in Lance Running and Parker Kekeisen. Those two are going to be some tough guys to reckon with going forward. They had a great outing against Oklahoma State with um, – a uh, Dustin Plot beating Lance Runyon by a couple points, and then Parker Kekeisen staying undefeated, beating the highly ranked Dakota Gear in overtime. So that's seventy-four and eighty-four with Bryce Steyert and Drew Foster. Uh, well, now Bryce Steyert and Taylor Lu- Luan now gone. Um, enter Parker Kekeisen and Lance Runyon. No, two guys they're going to look solid for Schwab. Can we say officially that Doug Schwab is a better lightweight coach than um, Kale Sanderson? Do we? I mean, the only thing we can do is compare a wrestler that's been in both wrestling rooms. One had a terrible time at Penn State, um, probably due entirely because of coaching, um, and then comes to the comes to the University of Northern Iowa and is kicking butt, top five ranked. Huh? Right? Are we seeing? It's definitely right? a hot take. That's definitely a hot take there, Pat. But that's all you can do comparing scientifically. Schwab, comparing Schwab to Dale Sanderson. I'm but, saying um, lightweight coach in terms of lightweight coach. I think the proof is in the pudding. That's tough to uh, it's tough to agree on that, even though uh, he has had some stellar wins, but uh, has not faced anybody in the Big Ten. And uh, that's what's a difficult situation when you've got Kale Sanderson let alone has not had a decent 25-pounder. On paper, he's had some pretty stellar 25-pounders, but uh, when you have a guy named Devin Shrupp who decides to go up in 25, I mean, it's it's been asinine at 125 lately uh, since uh, the ghost of Nick Siriano. I think it was a curse. Ever since Siriano broke his foot in that Oklahoma State duel, the meaningless Oklahoma State duel, Kale Sanderson has yet to just, you know what? I hate meaningless duels as well, <laughs> Kale Sanderson. I will never be a part of these national duels, um, these frou-frou duels, these national duels, because we were just about to send 10 to the national tournament, and my 125-pounder breaks his foot in the most meaningless duel of the season. Well, that and, was an uh, – Yeah. No, I was, I, I was just going to say it was a curse – it, it was a nice look at what a head case Suriano is because it seems like his egomania started long before he started popping the top and, you know, kicking butt freestyle internationally. It's, it, it's, it, that's from what, and what I've heard is that it was just he was upset that he wasn't getting enough attention. It was like, buddy, you're, you're an injured reserves. Like, I got a national championship to win. Like, I can stroke your ego, you know, as soon as the season's over, but you know what do you want me yeah. to do and that's why that's why they say jump ship which is ridiculous but no i think you're because it seemed like spencer lee at a time it was a slam dunk for him to be a nittany lion right and he so you could kind of put him as a a, a, 
a missing feather in the cap of Kale Sanderson as well. Well, this is the conspiracy theory that um, I just thought of, and see if you can validate this as a conspiracy theory. And I will go out and say that there's a reason why Kale Sanderson does not want a good 125 pounder is because it's just remembering the essence of what Nick Suriano was, his last <laughs> legit 125-pounder. It's it's an open weight for a reason. It's because he wanted he just wants there to be a remnant of what that meaningless duel against Oklahoma State, where they have a chance of just obliterating everyone. They still won their national title. Uh, was that the year? The, was that the year Ohio State won, or was that the year that? I don't know. We got to double check that. I wish I would have known that on the top of my head. Ohio State won in 2015, the year that Suriano broke his foot and went into the Big Ten and just couldn't go anymore. And um, since then, there has not been a 125 pounder that has made a substantial, um, uh, a substantial pr- production to the Nittany Lion wrestling squad. Do there you- has been. Th- and it's because that is the that is the ghost of Nick Suriano there at one time. Siler is his brother, right? Kale Sanderson's brother. Yes, Kyler. So, Kyler. Kyler. Do you do you think Kyler walks in and say, "Hey, hey, bro, um, I've got a list of uh, one twenty five recruits. Um, got a lot of guys that have already expressed interest to him." And Kale just looks at him and shakes his head and just kind of says, "I just can't." Please. I don't want him to break his left foot. I just can't. I can't do it. I just can't. Or his right foot. He goes, I hear you. And they just leave and, and lock up RBY instead. Yeah, RBY is going to be our starter. Well, but, but wait, he's at 133. He's at 133. Yeah, they just jump. Exactly. They just skip. They don't even recruit yeah. 125. They just r- jump right up to 133. You just put Kale Sanderson in, in, his, in his coach's room and watching watching that footage of the Oklahoma State duel with Nick Siriano. It's just that it's the classical Michael Jordan crying meme. (laughs) If you know what that meme I'm talking about, the crying meme with the tears coming down. When you say starting at 125 for Penn State and you just put the crying meme of Michael Jordan right there. That's what it is. It's I I will stand by that to the day I die. It's just we're never going to see another legit 125 pounder. And Brody Teske was probably asked to leave. You know what, buddy? As much as I want you to be a 125 pounder here, this is Nick Siriano's weight, yeah. and he's not he's not here to take it. So it's going to be no nobody's weight. But uh, I all all jokes aside, though, Brody Teske has had a great year mm-hmm. thus far. Um, has he been lights out? I'm going to say no. He's not been lights out because there's been a couple matches where he had no business winning of uh, the way he was performing early, and. Um, Daniel Vega is not a bad wrestler. Daniel Vega transferred from Iowa State and South Dakota State's 25-pounder. He led off, and he was just taking care of Teske, but Teske lasted through and got a big win. I think it was like 24 points uh, scored in the whole match. He won in double uh, digits. Next week, when, um, when Northern Iowa just has no business wrestling Missouri, one of their only wins was at 125, Connor Brown. And he had no business beating Connor Brown that match. Connor Brown gave up a late takedown that sealed the deal for Brody Teske. So and he's getting a lot of love for being how high he is. And he's beaten non-Big Ten wrestlers. I mean, he's, I guess if you're going to say of anything of, of um, Brody Teske being any light of being a legit perennial 125 pounder, he showed that against Mastro Giovanni. I, Mastro I, Giovanni is a tough kid. That's I, you just stole the words right out of my mouth. He's a stud. He's just so early. He doesn't have enough uh, collegiate matches under his belt. But he's a stud and is going to be very good. I'm excited to see that match in the in the Big 12 championships. Um, but that's yeah, he's going to be good and he's only going to get better too. Mastro yeah. Giovanni, that is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's definitely going to be getting better. But Teske's got three years after. Well, no, he's got four years after this because mm-hmm. this obviously does not count. So um, Teske des- definitely has a chance of being a four-time All-American. And it's going to be interesting if we have a national tournament um, and how he goes against Big Ten wrestlers. Because if this was a normal year, he would have been already going against D- – Diagostino of Northwestern. He would have been already going against um, 
125 for Wisconsin, which um, splits my mind. But because um, I want to say that Northern Iowa dueled them last year. Eric Barnett. Eric Bar- Barnett, which I think he could beat. So uh, those teams that you and I went against last year in, in the Big Ten, Teske would have had a great matches against those guys and uh, definitely would have made made a name for him. Hell, but, he could have seen Spencer Leaf. They would have gone to Midlands this year too, which I don't know if they were going to, but you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, then again, Spencer Lee probably would have just done another day one tourney again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Well, let, let me say this. You said if we are having a national tournament and we're having an Olympics, mark my words, they're they're both going down this year and they're both going to be spectacular. I love your optimism and I want to join you in on that. So let's just go ahead and get excited again and let's go ahead and go down the road here. Let's start internationally here. This is what I like to call our made-up section here of taking to the mat with JP and Pat. We'll think of a name for it eventually, but uh, we'll do the double hot take here. Uh, this is uh, that that's our segment. Uh, book it as the double hot take, and we'll go ahead and name me your international team. What is going to be the U.S. World Team when we go into Tokyo or Florida? <laughs> this upcoming <Yeah>. for the <laughs> Olympics. Hey, if we go to Florida, I'm throwing a huge party. You better believe it. We're, we'll, we'll have a blast. It'll be Disney Duels 2.0 that year. It'll be a good time. So do you want me to go first? Do you want me to tell you my team? Absolutely. Go okay. ahead. So 57, the man, Spencer Lee. Um, it's going to be hard for me to see anybody fix, maybe, but Spencer Lee has it. Um, 65 would be... Yanni Diakmahalis. Um, we'll go 74. Here's your hot take. Um, Kyle Dake. Hot take with Kyle Dake. How do you feel about that? Um, it isn't a hot take. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a stank take is what that is. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and then yeah. 86, David Taylor. Uh, he's just at another class. Um, and then we're going to go Jaden Cox over Captain America, Kyle Snyder. Um, and then Gable Stevenson for heavyweight. So very, uh, yeah, um, obviously there's one that we're going to terribly di- disagree with. But um, Well, that's all right. I mean, mine is the team. I don't know if you missed sure. it. Like, th- that is the team. That's what sure. the team is going to be. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Now that you're a married man, you think you can go ahead and just make all the right, make, make all the top... Uh, executive decisions all right all right you're right maybe stevenson doesn't get it maybe mason paris does beat out you were right i'll maybe i'll switch that one yeah okay just stop talking okay 57 kilos we're gonna go with spencer lee 65 yanni diakamahalas 74 kilos my gosh it's you're wasting so much of my time right now of even uttering those two words of that guy i mean he is a fake world champion you heard it you heard it here he is a fake weight world champion and i don't think he has seen any competition at 74 kilos yet and that's kyle dake that i'm talking about i mean who knows if he's even going to be able to get down to 74 because when he wrestled chimizo that was not at 74 that was at 79 and a lot of these grab weights a lot of these catch weights they a lot of these guys have not gotten down to their actual weights like james green i don't think has even wrestled at 65 kilos yet officially He's been weighing in a couple kilos heavier. And Kyle Dake, I believe, has been weighing in a little heavier as well. They've had two kilo allowan- uh, uh, allowances of where they have wrestled. Um, is Dake an outstanding wrestler? Absolutely, he's an outstanding wrestler. We look at his uh, results here. When we're uh, at 74 ki- kilos, he walks through it. He walks through, but hasn't never really had much great competition. I... I can see Imar doing well, doing better than Kyle Dake at the uh, at the Olympic trials. I mean, and if you want to, if you want to put a bet on that, I would be happy to open up the wallet. I, you know what, I lost my wallet, so oh. <laughs> we're not gonna bet on that. Um, I really think it's Burroughs. It Jordan Burroughs is your seventy-four kilos guy. I mean, it's Dake is. I can't wait to have him go on the Bader show or. FRL and just have him make up his, make up his. Um, I mean, he did beat Chimizo. his excuse. 
at 79 kilos. It wasn't at 74. It wasn't at 74. It's who knows if he even makes the cut. Okay. If he gets down there, he beats him at 79 kilos barely. And and he talks about his offense and he talks about how great he can put on points. He's been doing that against guys that Mitch Fine Silver. I mean, sorry, Fine Silvers. You guys are a fine group of people, but uh, I mean, he have no business. I mean, he's teching all these guys that. Jonathan Alvarez from Spain, Mitch Feinsilver that uh, represents Israel, and then Kazi Mazarad Gaziagiev from Azerbaijan, and then beats Dav- Davidi Chlashadzazi. Well, he, he even forfeited to Kyle Dake. So those were his opponents at the um, tournament in, in France. And, I mean, it sounds I'll- to me like you're talking yourself out of it like you you know deep down that kyle dick is going to beat jordan burrows and you're it, it sounds at least in these headphones that you're just talking yourself out of, out of not picking dick like you really want to but it's like hey, i guess he's there like you know now that i think about it yeah dick does have it you know he's got that funky style which which doesn't really jive really well with jordan burrows um so We'll see. We'll see. He isn't getting out of heck. He won't even get out of his own state. I mean, it's uh, well, they're probably having the Olympic trials in Pennsylvania. So luckily, he's in New York. He'll have to go over to the next state. But uh, <laughs> he won't be making out of it. He won't be making out of the United States. Jordan Burroughs is going to be your seventy-four kilos, and then at um, eighty-six kilos, yeah, it's. It's Magic Man David Taylor. Honestly, I think he if there was an OW on that team, mm-hmm. I want to give it to David Taylor because I really don't think he is going to be touched at 86. Um, he's just at a different level right now, and I really like what he has been doing. Um, yes, Donnie and Taylor is going to be a great world finals, I think, mm-hmm. if that's uh, what the two is going, going to be. Um, 97 kilos, so that's, that's a bold take. Of you to pick Jaden Cox because Jaden Cox, I mean, he's going to be a different Jaden Cox as we see here in a couple months because he has not been the top Jaden Cox when he actually suffered from COVID-19 and uh, in a brutal way. I think he was on oxygen the last month of 2020. So uh, he's had to get his gas tank back. And um, I mean, but Kyle Snyder now part of the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club has Jake Varner to practice with and has Kale Sanderson to get that mental edge. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what Snyder does because I think it's going to be a showdown, none other. Do I think Cox has a better chance of beating Sa- Sajalaya than Snyder does? Yeah, I think so. I think Cox has a better chance, too. I think but, um, I, I'd agree with that. And Snyder made a great move switching the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club. I think that's going to get him to another level. But he has not looked very sharp, I mean, the past two years. No, and I mean, we were even looking for um, Sajalayev and Snyder uh, match three, and we didn't even see that because uh, Snyder couldn't get past Sharif Sharifov, the former Olympic champion, in the semis. I mean, you just don't count him out because obviously he's an Olympic champion. So uh, Sharifov, I believe in, in France, he forfeited to Kyle Snyder in the finals. Uh, this was in the semis. That was a forfeit in the semis. Uh, Snyder had a great tourney, but uh, Sharifov didn't want to see a re- rematch against, uh, against him. And uh, Snyder went into the finals and 14-3 easily over the Georgian Masha Shavili. So I think I'm going to go with Cox. I am. I mean, it's really a sour taste in my mouth to see. But uh, I'm going to go with Cox. And then... Um, well, l- let me just say, I think Kyle Snyder... I don't think... Kyle Snyder is a world-class athlete, and he is insanely strong. But the caveat is, after people have Kyle put their hands on him and figure out this is his tempo, he gets figured out. He has not innovated his style a la Jordan Burroughs has. So that's what makes me think that Cox is going to— and, and I agree with you that Cox is the one that's going to beat Sedgley. I think I think Sedgley has Snyder— down i think he has him figured out he had a nice little arm hook pin whatever you want to call it um in the world championships a couple years ago um but it's i think he's just 
I think he's moved on. I think Sedge Live is just at a different level, and Kyle has not innovated up until now. Um, again, what Kale Sanderson is the best guy on the planet, dare I say. Maybe there's some crazy Azerbaijani or Russian guy that's better with upper weight guys. But Kale Sanderson's arguably the best guy to coach Kyle Snyder. It's going to be the battle of the of the um, of Abdul Rashid Sajalayev and Jaden Cox, the COVID survivors. Yes. That was what I was looking at. Both of them. They had COVID, and both of them have survived. Do you think they're secretly training together in some weird, like, Ivan Trago training center? I think Sajulayev got just tons and tons of shots of that Sputnik <laughs> vaccine that Russia brought out so early. <laughs> it's like he just pumped with all that stuff, and who knows? They, who, they, they probably have been, like, secretly um, Cox is a hired hand on uh, – Sag Lives Farm with that that pride <laughs> horse with that pride horse that he was given after he pinned Snyder. So <laughs> he's probably a hired hand, and that's how he's getting that's that's how he's getting his strength back. Uh, cue uh, cue hearts on fire by Survivor. <laughs> when we when you hear that, uh, why not have a, a Drago two two and having Jaden be on top of those mountains yelling. Sajalayev! <laughs> but, I love yeah. it. Uh, and then at a heavyweight, it's... Mason Gable. Paris. Oh! Oh, you're going oh, Gable. Oh, wait! Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Gable Stevenson. Just stop it, stop it. Okay. Just stop doing that to yourself. <laughs> you really don't know how you do that. I will tell you, I will, tell, I will not be surprised if Mason God. takes out Gable. I will not be surprised. I, in chess... It won't be wrestling. Maybe we'll have to get a double bet going. Maybe we'll do a Burroughs, Dake, and uh, Stevenson Paris. I mean, don't you, now that you're a married man, don't you have to keep a uh, tighter look on your uh, on your finances? I really don't want to bankrupt you. Oh, oh, I most assuredly do. This is money in the bank. This is easy <laughs> no, money. It's not. It isn't. So, uh, money. Two, part two of our double hot take is um, go ahead and name your net national champions. If you think we're having an NCAA tournament this year, uh, one twenty-five to down, and we'll try to keep keep this short because uh, we've uh, we've talked a lot of great stuff here on uh, Take It to the Mat with JP and Pat. Uh, so we'll go ahead and try to keep this short. Not going to promise anything, but uh, we'll go ahead and talk about our NCAA champions of twenty twenty-one. I will go first this time, and at one twenty-five, it just so happens to be the fifty-seven kilogram. Future Olympic champion Spencer Lee. I think he'll do a double. He'll just go ahead and say, "Why not win a gold medal to go along with my NCAA trophy?" And then he will once again be on the way of being a four-time national champion. Spencer Lee is your 125 pound. He is going to be your national champion there. Um, basing off rankings here, you have a couple of dudes that have been MIA: Dayton Fix and Stefan Micic. Micic, of course is going to be an Olympian uh, for Serbia. So if he comes back in time, he's definitely going to be a front runner in Dayton Fix. After he uh, gets off his uh, suspension from the Booger Sugar, he'll definitely be uh, someone that um, can be in the same sentence as well. But if we're talking about guys that have actually wrestled so far, Austin DeSanto just looks good. As much as I'm not a huge Austin DeSanto guy, um, I've said it from the beginning, and I'll say it again. The one guy you just have to pay attention to going forward is Mickey Phillippe. I really like Mickey Phillippe. Now that he has Luke Pletcher in the room with him, uh, Mickey Phillippe is someone that is definitely going to have a um, – is definitely going to be scaring some people. And, of course, I haven't even mentioned Roman Bravo Young yet. Uh, he's in the uh, he's in the same sentence as a lot of those guys too. But I guess the safe way to say is Roman Bravo Young would be your champion because with Michich and Fix being up in the air if they're going to be coming back or not, I'm going to say Roman Bravo Young is going to be Mickey Phillips. If they were wrestling, who would you choose, Fix, Michich, or RBY? If they if 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 it was legitimately knowing Dayton Fix, Michich, and Bravo Young were going going to be there, I would have to say Stefan Michich. Okay. Yeah, Stefan Michich has shown a lot from his freestyle. 
And then I then at the same time, I just think he has gotten to be more on a on a different level than a lot of guys. Where you you find those gems that are able to transition from freestyle to folk style with the flip of a wrist. And as much as Dayton Fix can do that too, Dayton Fix is just I think it's just with his antics off the mat. I mean, as much as I don't want to put that in the same sentence of how great of a wrestler he is, I think Michich is the guy that's going to be able to get the last say in that. Okay. At, at one one thirty three, at one hundred and forty one pounds, your national champion is going to be Nick Lee. He's number three right now, but um, even though Jaden Ironman is another Iowa Hawkeye coming out there and doing great, doing great things. Um, Nick Lee is going to be your national champion. I really just don't think he gets the respect like he should. Um, someone down farther down in the rankings that has been a stay in Stillwater, Oklahoma, that has not yet wrestled yet uh, very much is uh, Cade Brock. Could I dare I say he could be in a sentence of, scare, of uh, scaring some people, but at the same time, he has not really been utilizing the NCAA scene in the truncated season thus far. So Nickley, I think he beats Jaden Ironman. I think he stays out of that funk. He stays out of that cr cradle. Seabass is up top there, but it doesn't matter. I think Nick Lee is your better overall wrestler at 141. At 149, we will see no All-American, and Minnesota will keep their 2,000 record of 10 All-Americans. Your champion at 149 pounds is going to be, looking at the rankings... Uh, this is going to be a close one back and forth. I can see Brock Mahler. He's had a great season thus far. Austin O'Connor has been doing well, and Sammy Sasso uh, being number one right now. So in your top three, I'm going to go ahead and just play it safe, and Sammy Sasso is going to be – he's just going to be doing a great job so far. Um, and I see him winning a nat national title at 149 pounds. At 157 – you look at some of these guys that hasn't had a lot of action yet, but um, as much as I love Ryan Deacon at no number one, I think uh, Heidly just gets over the hump again. He's made it to the finals before, hasn't been able to win that title yet, but this will be the year that he wins the title. David Carr right behind him, making a mess of all the rankings, making a mess of that bracket. Um, I think um, you're going to see Ryan Deacon and Hayden Hidley in the finals, but Hidley is going to get the best of them this time around. Um, speaking about making a mess of the rankings, you're going to see Ja'Cory Teamer down currently ranked number 13 is going to make some noise. Caleb Young and Brayton Lee in the middle of the pack. But uh, when it's all said and done, Hayden Hidley will get your crown at 157. At 165 pounds, I think the bull will finally uh, get the ring through his nose as much as he should and get, be the real bull, and Alex Mar Marinelli. That is such a stacked weight when you look at the talent with Shane Griffith from Stanford, which I believe has not wrestled yet for Stanford yet at all. Uh, sadly, be the last year for Stanford wrestling. I don't know if he will be wrestling in a Stanford singlet again. Uh, but then you look at Makai Lewis that's on top of those standings too, but, you know, Makai Lewis just had a great tourney that he picked the best turning to be a stud. And that's what he did. He beaten Marinelli, I believe, in the quarters, mm -hmm. and then just goes ahead and hands it to the homeboy, Vincenzo Joseph. It was his home. Vincenzo coming home to Pittsburgh and couldn't seal, seal the deal because just Makai Lewis was on fire that weekend. I mean, would we be surprised if Anthony Valencia won too? Yes, I would be surprised. Okay. I, 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 he's just a one trick pony. I mean, he has a slide by it, but the blast double, if you stop his blast double and you just, you, you got to wrestle seven minutes and Valencia is going to be wrestling seven minutes. He'll pull that blast double out of nowhere in, in the very end. And it's going to get you in trouble. So, um, I still think Alex Marinelli, it's his, it's his to lose at 165 at 174. You look at another really tough weight. With Logan Massa, if he wrestles, uh, Mikey Labriola, one of the most inconsistent wrestlers in NCAA. Uh, but Carter Staracci, the freshman phenom from Penn State, has been making noise. And he's been keeping it close. You know, I believe he lost his first match 10-9 after being down 9-0. Uh, but he's just someone you got to be careful with. 
And if there's any team that has shown that freshmen come out of nowhere and just spoil, spoil di- dinner for those guys that have been around, just watch out for Carter Star Starachi. Um, Kemmer on top. I'm gonna go out. I'm really. I'm just. This is gonna be my flat out. What in the world are are you thinking? But I think Kale's uh, gonna have him planned, and I think Starachi's gonna win. Wow. I think Starachi. That's my. That's my huge bang there. That's that's my hot take. I think Starachi is just a guy that's gonna get mentally prepared. Kemmer's tough. Massa's tough, but I just see Starachi just. It's just going to be another Bo Nickel Miles Martin affair, but this time the the uh, the Nittany Lions going to be on top, and I think Starachi is just going to be your upset special of the national tourney. Um, Hundred eighty four pounds is where it gets a little bit more interesting as well. As Aaron Brooks has just gotten to be a household name, a uh, guy that's definitely going to just going to be putting up a lot of stuff, a lot of good good things, and. Uh, I see Aaron Brooks being your national champion, even though he's ranked number five now. And you got Miles and me, Hunter Boland, Trent Hidley, Lou uh, Dupreeze, and then of course the up-and-coming Parker Keckeisen. But um, look for uh, look for Aaron Brooks because you got Nelson Brands and Zach Braunagle and Taylor Taylor Vens down down below as well. But I think it's Aaron Brooks that's going to be coming victorious, and uh, Penn State will go one one uh, another one-two punch. At 74 and 84. Um, hurting things up here. I know I like to talk about wrestling. Uh, Noah Adams. Noah Adams is going to be your winner at 197 pounds. I think he's in a league of his own. Eric Schultz is going to surprise some people. I, I know he's number two, but I just think he's in another level from what he's been before. Uh, Warner will be someone that to pay, pay attention to, but I really like Noah Adams. And he's going to be one of the few non-Big Ten nat- national champions. And then, uh, of course, the heavyweight Gable Stevenson. It's just you don't have to talk nice. at all about nice. heavyweight. So. All right, so we'll, I'll I'll go rapid fire. Um, so Spencer Lee, one twenty five, um, RBY one thirty three. Uh, um, Ironman. I'll tell you this. I think even if Yanni Diakmahalas was wrestling, I think Jane Ironman might be able to beat him. So I'm going. I'm going Jane Ironman for sure. Um, then we'll go Austin O'Connor. Um, then going to uh, what I have? I think. Oh gosh, I think That's David. Such a tough I th- week. Yeah, I, I think David Carr's look so sharp. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll just say David Carr. I'm putting David Carr in there. Um, then Marinelli. Then we're going. Uh, so you, you kind of badmouthed him a little bit. I know you didn't badmouth him. But I, I think Michael Kemmer is the best overall wrestler positionally, feet on top, on bottom, um, in a scramble in the entire college NCAA this year. Um, he is a treat to watch. Um, maybe not the best on his feet, maybe not the best on top, but when you put it all together, I think he is overall like the best positional wrestler. So I'm picking Kemmer, if you couldn't tell. Um, and then I'm picking Trent um, Tidley of NC State to win. Um, again, it's going to be tough to beat Miles and me in Michigan, but I think Trent can do it. I think he can put together a really good tournament. Um, we've Take seen... a hold, hold it, hold it here at 80, 80, 84. Yeah. Now, be honest. You picking Trent highly because the way he performed at the RTC Cup. He did. He did. And then also, NC State has a usually wrestles well in the tournament and he also they've got such a crazy wrestling room that i think if you buy in um you're gonna have a lot of success and i think he's going to what is is he what year is he is he a sophomore he's a sophomore yes yeah i think he can pull together i think miles mean is very beatable i think hunter bowman is very beatable um and the other guys below him um aaron brooks is going to be tough um and i'm really Excited to see it just even after uh, this um, two days ago. It was two days ago when Parker is a Kekeisen wrestle. Yep. Looks yep. really sharp. Um, knew how to close out a match. Really excited about that. But this weight is as up in the air as any weight is um, in the entire tournament. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think this would have been a phenomenal national tournament last year. Yeah. But. We gotta forget that now. If Nelson Brand sneaks in, would you be that surprised? 
I don't no, know if he can win it, know. but he could absolutely be a finalist, right? I wouldn't be surprised. So that's this is going to be really, you know, fun. By fun, we mean crazy weight. But it, it, I just can't put my finger on it. Um, and then uh, then just to kind of be a basic bitch, I got to choose Noah Adams of West Virginia because I haven't seen a whole lot out of the other guys. Um, Same here. Yeah, yeah so, just being ba- basic. One guy, though, now looking down there, Cameron Caffey from Michigan State going up a weight this year. Then 97 right. yeah. that could make some noise as well. But you also look at Michael Beard, the freshman that's at 12. I mean, another guy, you did those freshmen from Penn State, those pesky freshmen, they come in there and you're like, oh, here comes Penn State on, on another run with a freshman class for the next yeah. four years. Yep. So you never know. Yeah, I forgot Cam Caffey jumped up. He's great. Yeah, you, you hate to because uh, he because he's a black guy, he always says he's a good athlete. But that guy's a freak athlete. He is he is fun to watch wrestle and was looking really really sharp towards the end of last year. Um, so yeah, I I completely forgot about him. So yeah, a goofy weight and then a heavyweight. I as much as I would like to pick Mason Paris, I think if I had to put money on it, um, I'm picking Gable. But I I I'm telling you, it it is a fool. It's foolish to sleep on Mason Paris. He has gotten so good year over year over year. Um, and again, we talked about before, but in that RTC Cup, from one day to the next, the man made a quantum leap. Um, now, a shortened season isn't doing him any favors, but he's going to catch people with their pants set down. Um, I, I assure you that. How many All-Americans does Iowa have? Ten. Yeah, gosh darn it. Yeah, they've get, they're getting ten. It's going to be hard. They're gonna, they, they would have to... Yeah muck up a lot but um uh even uh what's it? max murin looked tough um when they wrestled. he does he that's the guy illinois and he it's, he looked really tough and closed out a match so i'm sorry the guy i know i know it's the guy i think that's the weakest guy out of all of them but that's just a slap in the face to him because he looked legit this past weekend against Carr. Yep. and Carr doesn't do much but but M- max murin capitalized on that that's one guy that Mirren has been one guy I've always just had a hard time to like because he just spoils everything for for me. I've been a Mitch McKee fan, being a Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Our listeners, if you haven't figured that out yet, I'm a gopher dude. I mean, coming from Minnesota, 10 All-Americans in 2001, it's the, one of the best teams ever. Best teams, best team effort. No, mm-hmm. no champions, but uh, Solidified Minnesota is one of the best backside teams, best day two teams. And um, gosh, as much as I still want Minnesota to stay as that first and only team to do it, um, wouldn't that be something if Nationals this year were in Minneapolis and Iowa do 10 All-Americans you right could. back at and, you in Minnesota? And I, wouldn't, I, that, wouldn't that have been crazy? Ugh. I, it would be crazy. It's going to be a crazy tournament no matter what, but yeah. as it is every year. It's such a fun tournament, even for non-wrestling fans. Even if you just go to it, it is electric because there's always a, fee, a, a team. There's always a storyline to follow. There's always a wrestler that everyone kind of gets behind, a team that somebody hates, a team that people pick up. It's a lot of fun. But I, I don't want. I don't even want to say it, but with COVID just being – looming over the entire tournament you never know and marinelli tested positive for covid so it's it's even creeped in the iowa wrestling group and so you'd never want and i know even even as a hardcore minnesota fan you would not want iowa to not get it that way but it's such a crazy 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 year so it has been and speaking of minnesota look out for 141 and 165 you got marcus polanco and andrew sparks both California, true freshman. Uh, Andrew Sparks already got a big win against Peyton Robb earlier this year. I think he's in the rankings now. And Marcus Polanco, it's tough 41, but he's now ranked at 20. So up-and-coming dudes from Minnesota when you look at some California guys. But Iowa is just, it's the team to beat, and they're going to be the team to beat for a couple years. And Penn State's going to be reloading as well. But uh, as we wrap things up here on uh Take it to the mat with JP and Pat. Any last words, Pat? Just happy to watch some wrestling. Happy to talk to you, and and, and really thankful for everybody that's out there listening to us. It's you know great time. Of year. Yeah, absolutely. As much as this sounds like Styrofoam cup coffee talk, I mean we enjoy doing it. We enjoy doing this podcast. We hopefully do a better job next time. As I will say at the end of every podcast, we try to do a better job next time. But if you guys have any idea of what you want us to do. 
uh, let us know. And um, we would love to have some topics of what to talk about. Going forward, we'll try to have some discussions on certain topics going forward. Should there be 14 weights in high school? Um, should there should there be as much national wrestling as there is? Or uh, sh should there be different rules of picking a world team? Should there be more international uh, inter international tournaments required to be on a, a world team? What is the future of freestyle wrestling as an entertainment specimen in the United States? And um, a lot more things to discuss, of course, on the NCAA le le level that we could make a whole program out of. So any ideas that any of you want to talk about, let us know. We definitely can talk about different other divisions as well. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, put a cap to the first episode of Take It to the Mat with JP and Pat in 2021 and hope for more to come in the coming months. Have a great night, wrestling fans.